first one, Jesus. First one we're going to chat about. Obviously, a bunch of the big four banks have already started raising their fixed rates, mm. uh, their fixed rate offerings. But Rate City analysis has showed that um, NAB NAB have become another of the big four to raise their fixed rates. Um, there's about 70 plus other banks that have looked to increase at least one of their fixed rates in the last three weeks, including NAB, CBA, which is ComBank, ANZ, Macquarie Bank, and HSBC. Yeah. Um, they've they've basically followed a move similar from CBA, ComBank, from um, in, uh, increasing their owner occupier, so like people that are going to live in their house mm-hmm. and pay off the mortgage, as well as investors, up to uh, 1.1%. Um, increases. Yep. Uh, CBA raised a lot of their fixed rates by 1.4% across their one to five year fixed rate offerings. I just wondered, what can people that are worried about these interest rate hikes, like what can those people do that are already in a mortgage? And do these sort of fixed rate movements surprise you or it's sort of yeah. part of the course? Well, not really. The fixed rate, we've been talked about this since about September last year and we're in July 2022 at the moment. The banks have been raising fixed rates since about August or September 2021. Um, yeah, we had the massive stimulus and the cash rate dropping at 0.1% during the pandemic. And um, yeah, when that funding stopped, um, yeah, banks started raising their fixed rates. You know, they can the bank can see what's happening in the US where they raise a lot of their funds for mortgages, and that you know, interest rates were trending up, and the Federal Reserve in the US was increasing interest rates quite dramatically. So, yeah, at the moment for the and this is not financial advice, but for the majority of people, just um, a basic variable loan is going to probably give you the best bang for your buck. Um, you know, if you can get a basic variable loan for yeah under three percent, um, that's going to be a lot better for you than locking in a fixed rate at five and a half. Um, it's probably you know, whether variable rates will get to five and a half. Who knows? Um, I I personally think that the Reserve Bank has tried to crunch inflation quickly by moving three times in a row, and the Westpac guy says they might put rates up again in August and then just let it settle for a while and see what happens. So I think you're better off with a basic variable loan, and if you're worried about um, interest rates going up, make extra repayments as if you're on a higher fixed rate loan and get ahead of your mortgage. That's the thing. And also just watch where you spend your money. So, But yeah, it's sort of not really surprising that the fixed rates have gone up as much. Let's let's skip these ones for now and we'll come back to them. I want to talk about the RBA one that you brought up that you wanted to cover. We're sort of already talking about the RBA. This one's a bit wordy. I wondered if you want to go through it. Just chatting about maybe... an um. An alternative, an alternative viewpoint of what the RBA is doing and, and what its effect is actually going to have on households in Australia by increasing the cash rate. Do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, oh, this was just an article that was in the Fin Review, and there's a chap there who writes there, Christopher Joyce, who's um, been writing about property and finance for years. And he he's I just read his article and thought it was quite good, and he, it was just titled How the RBA Duped Aussie Households. And this is around up until March this year, 2022, um, despite interest rates going up all around the world, in New Zealand and the US and all around the world, um, the RBA wasn't increasing the cash rate and they kept getting asked, you know, are you going to increase the cash rate? And in March 2022, 
and for probably every month for the year preceding, the rhetoric from the Reserve Bank was that rates would not rise till 2024, maybe later. Mm. Um, now, this chap's suggesting that a lot of people made financial decisions based on that. Um, not advice, but if the Reserve Bank tells you what they're going to do with interest rates, um, they're probably going to get you're probably not going to get a better better lead on what's going to happen from the Reserve Bank. Mm. And that in a space of six weeks, they pop rates up and then four weeks later, pop them up and then four weeks later, pop them up. And he's saying that they're, if they got it horribly wrong about keeping on hold till 2024, raising them three times, have they got it horribly wrong again? Mm. Um, and that was just um, his, he was just saying that the the reserve bank is not very um in tune with what's happening in the mm. in society mm. that um it's typically people probably who don't have a mortgage who earn a lot of money who don't hang around normal people mm. so and to their def- in their defense though they do get stats that are a couple of months old mm. like we have quarterly inflation stats so if we get the quarterly inflation stats for march in may like you need what the monthly mm. inflation stats are mm. and there's a lot of people saying that the main issue with inflation at the moment is supply chain issues mm. um the reason lettuce is so expensive because of floods not because people spending so much on not lettuce. because the demand for lettuce yeah, has not gone because up. demand of lettuce and fuel prices grain prices supply chain issues which are pushing up prices yeah they'll all work their way through the system and the economist view as well if supply is constrained, one of the ways to deal with that is to um, make is to in, impact demand. So you reduce demand, which allows supply to free up. So mm. that's their argument. But um, yeah, I think yeah, you know, Christopher Joyce is just saying that you know, there's no clear evidence that Australia has a protracted core inflation problem. That it's not a sustainable inflation problem, and he's sort of questioning. You know, that saying that the RBA is duped people, and I just thought that was an interesting take on it. Hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, going back to the other ones we we're going to chat about, so um, the Westpac group who run Westpac, Bank of Melbourne and St. George are closing a bunch of their branches in more than 20 places, uh, 20 locations. So there's a bunch of locations across New South Wales, WA and Victoria that they're going to be closing, and South Australia. One of their spokespeople stated that a lot of these closures come towards come uh, amongst like something we talked about a few years ago too that like there's been a significant shift across uh, how many people are actually going to bank branches compared to um, not just before COVID but even like even before COVID a lot of people don't really go to banks anymore. Mm. Um, the regional banking task force it's a it's a government uh, sort of branch. We're talking about how the total bank branches in Australia has declined from about 5,800 to 4,500 in the last mm-hmm. four years. Yeah. And the number of branches in regional areas has fallen from 2,500 to 1,900 in the four years to June of 2021. I don't know if this is like a good question to ask about these branch things, but obviously like this was in the news last year that a lot of banks like NAB included were shutting a lot of regional branches. Yeah. Um, does this move away from branches affect the broking industry in a positive or negative way, or is it sort of a net a net neutrality for us 
knowing that people are not going to bank branches as much. Yeah, I suppose the thing is, yeah, um, as as the the article said, yeah, a lot more people are doing things electronically. Yeah, one of the questions we ask people when we're talking to them about their home loan requirements is, you know, do you do you visit a branch? And nearly everybody says rarely. It's not like the old days where, you know, you go to the bank branch probably once a week, you know, deposit money, move funds around, that sort of stuff. Yeah, with the as the article said, you know, the significant shift towards digital and cashless banking and declining foot traffic. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't want to go on a bank branches, you know, they're worried yeah, people are still worried about COVID. Um, um the yeah so it doesn't really impact um the broking industry that much interestingly um if if there were 20 coffee shops in a town and five of them shut uh no one would blink an eyelid Hmm. well it's just a coffee shop who cares but because it's a bank branch everyone you know it's shock horror Hmm. so um I, I think you're just going to have more bank branches will be closing. Mm. For me, Westpac and St George, in a couple of the places where we do business, they're within 100 metres of each other. And I've often thought, I wonder why they've still got two. Um, mm. Why wouldn't they just have you know, Westpac St George mm. where you can do both things there? Right. And that might be the way they end up going anyway. I don't know. but um, Because, you know, when we get their updates, their updates are word for word. Um, when they raise interest rates, they raise them by the same amount. When mm. they reduce them, they reduce them the same amount. And I imagine it's the same for Bank of Melbourne as well. So, yeah, I just I think you know, if you're um, if you're working in a bank branch and you're worried and you're not worried about your future, well, you got your head in the sand. Mm. And they did make an, a comment about this that a lot of the um, the majority they said in quotes the majority of employees end quote affected by branch changes would likely be redeployed elsewhere and um, even last year when we were talking about NAB and them closing a bunch of branches they um, along with some other big four banks were moving their offshore workforce back to Australia and that was where some of those like staff members were going to be redeployed to doing like loan processing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so you know your job your job would be different, and that's that's no different to any other, you know, big organisation that has to adapt. And um, if you've got, uh, you know, I think with some of the um, banks, they were moving to have their branches open from nine thirty to one thirty, because you know when they did an analysis, not many people came in after lunch. Like people would come in, do the morning banking, um, they'd go in at lunchtime. And yeah, rather than have rather than have the, the branch opened and all the costs and all that sort of stuff, you'd be better off getting people um, you know doing other things for the for the customers. So yeah, last, last I was going to say if yeah. if it was me, if I was running one of the big four banks, I'd retrain those staff into salespeople, and I'd be getting them on the phone talking to their customers about getting more products from the bank mm. because at the moment like most people don't hear from their bank until the they send the bank a discharge form saying look we're moving to another brand, another bank so yeah yeah okay last one from me uh, Reuters did an analysis of the property markets worldwide and they've sort of tracked that Australia is in the top five for least affordable places to, to purchase property mm-hmm. um, they noted that over 2021 alone, property prices nationally rose by more than 20%, which was the biggest increase we have on record since 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm pretty sure that was a period of like high inflation in yeah. the late 80s too, so that yeah. might be to do with it. Um, the, their analysis though is predicting that those prices are going to drop um, going into 2023 by about 8% nationally as mortgage rates rise and cost of living hits. But my sort of question about, where, like they're obviously thinking rates are going to go up and that might affect people's borrowing capacities, less people are going to be in the market, but do you think it's just going to be raising rates that's going to cause a crash if we see like a crash? And and we've had people like we talk to in the industry that talk about where prices might go in the next year or so. Yeah. When they say there's going to be a drop, if you have a house that goes up 30% in value over the last two years and then it drops 15%, you're still up 15% yeah, over sure. the last yeah. two years. Yeah. So. If you're reading something in the media that says we're going to have a a, a market uh, crash, the tank, the market's going to tank. Just keep in mind that we might still be running on house money. You know, like yeah, we yeah, might yeah. still be up 15, 10, twenty yeah, yeah. percent, yeah. even if we lose ten yeah. percent in the next year. My question, I guess, is: Is it possible that some of the reason there's a slowdown happening in some areas of the market is more to more so to do with cost of living slowly going up? or for some people it's gone up really quickly mm-hmm. and a lot of people's wages haven't exactly gone up much the last couple of years. Are those some factors that might be causing a bit of a slowdown in the market as well? Look, for me, I think you've got to look, well, if you're buying a property to live in, that's determined by um, your lifestyle, where you work, um, yeah, what 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 you do in your your leisure time and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So if you're living in Melbourne and you're working in Melbourne and you want to buy a place to live in, you're going to buy in Melbourne unless you know you get your job relocated. Yeah. Um, but it's a totally different, and that's it's an emotional thing. You walk into a house and you you picture yourself there and go, I can see myself living here. I like the street. You know, the neighbours said hello. Um, you know, it's not on a main road. It's not near a train line. Yeah, you don't have trains at your at your back. You know, running past the back of your house. Mm. It's close to school shops and transport. It's near the leisure facilities that I use. It's near my friends and all that sort of stuff. Right. It's an emotional decision, and people you know make them all the time. If you're an investor, though, you have to look at the property market like a share market investor looks at shares. Now, um, since the start of the year. Tech shares, Afterpay, ZipPay, those sorts of things, like those fintech shares, yeah. have dropped massively, yeah. about 50%. Yeah. Cryptos dropped massively. Now, if you look at, say, f- fintech shares as like a suburb or an area of Australia, just say Afterpay shares of Sydney, Sydney house prices are correcting because they're too high. They went up too much and people, yeah, interest rates go up. Once interest rates go up, the amount that people can borrow goes down mm. because the the way banks assess your ability to borrow money is based on the interest rate plus a margin. Mm. So as the interest rate goes up, the, the margin, margin goes, goes up. up. Reduces borrowing capacity. As borrowing capacities drop, if there's if there's ten people at an auction who can all spend a million dollars, you're gonna get more for property than if there's only two people at that auction. And that's what's happening in Sydney and Melbourne. Um, no matter where you look around the country, 
at any one time, the property market is growing somewhere. Yeah. And you need to find out where that is if you're an investor. Just like you do with shares. Uh, you know, you might you might do your research and find that, you know, there's a um you know, there might be a growth in organics or something. So you find an organic um, share company mm. that's undervalued and you buy that share and the property mm. it goes up. It's no different. Okay. So I think what people have to one, one, if you're buying a place to live in, it's more about where you want to live and whether you're prepared to pay that price or not. And we talk to people about that all the time. I was chatting to a young lady from Sydney the other day who's thinking of either buying a place to live in in Sydney or being a rent vester. And I said, look, the first thing you've got to, you've got to work out, and we've worked out her borrowing capacity, and I said, you can borrow around this amount of money if you... You've now got to work out whether you can find somewhere in Sydney for that price. Mm. So go see what you can do. If not, you might work out that it's cheaper for you to rent in Sydney and buy investment properties in growth locations. So that's a decision for her to make. And I said, quite a lot of the people that that we deal with who um, own a lot of property don't actually own the property that they live in. They actually rent it. Mm. So they rent vest. Mm. So, um, but it's you know, it's up to you. So look, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too worried about um, if you if you chart the headlines over the last fifty years, every two three years, it's you know prices are out of control and then prices are going to crash and all this sort of stuff. It sells newspapers. It gets headlines on TV. Um, but you've just got to work out you know why you're buying and if it's for if it's an investment. Um, there's hundreds of places around the country mm. that are still growing and yeah, okay. will continue to grow. Yeah, all right. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? Yeah, cool. Just a couple of things. Um, with rates going up, um, if you've got a pre-approval and the rates have increased since your pre-approval, you just need to make sure that you're only making conditional offers when you're buying property because um, if you make unconditional offers, your borrowing capacity may have reduced since you um, since you got pre-approved. Mm. So when you got pre-approved, it might have, the rate might have been 2.5%. So the bank assessed you at 5.5%. If the rate's now gone up 1% to 3.5%, the bank will assess you at 65 Your borrowing capacity will likely to have dropped. So just be careful there. Um, there's some talk about mortgage prisoners. Um, that people are going to get stuck in loans because they won't have the equity. If um, you know, someone might have borrowed ninety percent of the value of a property, they might have bought a property for a million dollars, put in a hundred grand, so borrowed. Yeah, this is not taking into account mortgage insurance or stamp duty, but just for for an example, right? They bought bought for a million, put in a hundred grand plus costs, so they borrowed ninety percent. That place may now only be worth nine hundred grand. So your loan's nine hundred, and the place is worth nine hundred. So you don't have equity to leverage to go to another lender. Mm. So you're stuck. Um, there are some things you can do. Um, best to give us a shout, and we'll tell you what yeah, you okay. can do, rather than sort of spruiking it over here. Because but there are some things you can do. Um, the other thing is the talk about distressed sales, and it's just it's just the. Um, the time of the time of the market that we're in at the moment when prices start reducing due to well in this case interest rates going up and consumer sentiment going down 
there will be some people who might have had a property on the market and then they say to the agent, mate, we've just got to sell this joint. Can you just get rid of it? So the agent uses different words mm. on realestate.com and mobs like SQM Research, they do. Track that. They yeah. track that. So, you know, thing, things like, you know, owner must sell, blah, 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 those sorts of things, you know, that you'll have um, more of those things coming on the market. And there are people that track those things and, you know, there's some agents that deal with those sorts of things. So, yeah, just... Um, yeah, it could be a good opportunity to find something that's good. Um, yeah, you might want to talk. Yeah, you, know, you can talk to an agent about yeah you know, in the markets you're looking at that if there's things that come up and got to sell quickly. If you've got finance ready to go or you're a cash buyer, you can just say to the agent, "Look, if if someone needs to move a property quick, let me know because mm. I'm in a position to move. I don't need to buy, but I can." So they might have someone who comes in who's had a, and then it could be a place that's been on the market for two or three months, not moving. Um, yeah, so um, you know, some of these properties that SQM were talking about had been on the market for um, you know, 55 days, 58 days, one of them had been on the market for 400 days. So, um, yeah, yeah, okay, eventually, um, people have got to price their property to meet the market, wherever that may be. Yeah, okay. Well, um, if people want to get in touch with us, we obviously have the website. You guys know the drill, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au. If you want to uh, get in touch with us, that's probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, we've got a Facebook page, Money Saver Home Loans. Just check that out. There's a little bit of content that gets dropped on there most days. Um, we've got our Instagrams, and I put them in the bio because it's too hard to explain those over uh, audio sometimes. Um, yeah. And uh, that's about it. Have a good one, people.